continue with what Angela started with. God said, you have circled this mountain long enough. You have gone around this one mountain long enough. Going round and round and God says, it's time to move. It's time to get out of it. That's the sum of what Angela was talking about. You have to get out from where you are. You're so comfortable going around the same mountain over and over. You know everything around it. And God is saying, enough! Let me say this again to you. I'm not going to go to what we normally do because it's really important. There is nobody like you. There can never be on this earth till this earth vanishes away. There's not going to be an individual like you. Everybody has his own fingerprint. And God wants you to have a footprint on the earth. God wants you to have... You, I cannot do what God has created you to do. I've heard people say, and I said this here before, they'll say, well, if you don't do it, God will find another person to do it. That's not true. If you don't do it because you were formed from before with a plan from God, God has no ordinary sons and daughters. Every one of you with a plan. Your fingerprint is different from my fingerprint. And there will never be another fingerprint like your fingerprint. And if that's the case, God must have that in you to do only what you can do. And nobody else is able to do it. Nobody. If you don't do it, it's not done. And you are going to be accountable to God for it. You see where the judgment comes? Only you can do it. Only you can do it. You're unique. And so God begins to put in you, and you have to have a dream, because there's something in you that only you can do. And God doesn't give you things to do that is ordinary. It can't be ordinary. If God is in your life, And God has called you for something, and every one of us is called. Amen. Every one of us is called. You may not be called to be behind the pulpit. You may like it to be behind the pulpit, but that's not your calling. God has His own plan for your life. And it's not a small plan. It can never be a small plan. Can never be. The problem is we don't dream. Where there is no vision, the people perish. We don't dream. No vision. God, what did you create? Why did what did you create me to do? What am I supposed to accomplish on the earth? And God, if you can dream it, the resources are within you, and God's going to make them happen. God's going to make them happen. God will give you the wisdom. 
But if you have no dream, you become ordinary. And Paul said very clearly, if you don't do this, then you are behaving like mere man. Mere humans. We're not, we, as a born again Christian, you are not mere man or mere woman. You're different. You're totally different. When the Bible tells us, clearly, Second Corinthians 17, if a man... If, the one that is born again is what? A new creation. <laughs> That's a new being like Adam. Can you get it? You are a new creation. Adam before the thing. You are a new creation. And you can accomplish much if you have vision. Direction. What am I supposed to do? If God has placed you in a church, what am I supposed to accomplish here? You can come today and plan, one day I'm going to be like Pastor Larry. I'm going to be dealing with people. But there is a way to it. There is a way to it. You can't become Pastor Larry the, the next day. But keep your vision. Amen? Keep that vision in you. You can do great things in our church. We have... And I believe, and I'm very thankful to God, I'm not just looking to the our fellowship. We have a vision. It's the vision of the house. And you, in that vision, just like you thought this morning, Joy, in that vision, there is a part for you to play that I cannot do. Do you get what I'm saying? But until you buy into that vision and begin to ask God, what is it? Because you are not here by accident. God sent you here. You may think, I just like that church. No, you did just, that's not what it just, it's happening. God led you. <laughs> we see things from human viewpoints. And we don't understand what God is doing. God brought you here. Why? Because there is a vision. Amen. There is a vision of the house. And then you buy into the vision and you begin to ask God, what role can I play in this vision? And you will be amazed. Things that you never thought of. Things that you can do that no one in the church has ever thought of. And it's going to push this vision. And then it's going to reach out to the world. I have a vision today by the grace of God for our church. We are going to win souls all over the world. We will. We will. We are going to be winning souls all over the world. And we're depending on number. Does God need number? God said, <laughs> the number of people you have is too much. Get rid of some of them. Why? Because if you go in big number, he said, we did it. We did it. <laughs> but if it's only 200 and something against thousands of people, you know you didn't do it. So I have, we have that vision for our house. And God is calling you to, I mean, God when he spoke to, I mean, the scripture is there. When God spoke to Abraham, he says, I'm going to make you great. That's the promise. 
And that's the promise of Abraham that the Bible tells us we're supposed to be a part of. Galatians 3, right? Verse 13. That's what it says. God redeemed us from the curse of the law. For it is written in the word of God. Cursed is everyone that hangs on the tree. That the blessing of Abraham. Notice it didn't say blessings. The blessings of Abraham might come to us Gentiles. And when God spoke to Abraham, he says, I will make your name great. Not Abraham making his name great. God will do that. And that's the promise every one of us have in our lives. That's why I said, you're not ordinary. God created you for something big. Why would God send you here to the earth for something ordinary that some other person can do? Can you understand what I'm saying? You are not ordinary. Dream something bigger than yourself. Much bigger than yourself. And when you have that dream, God will give you direction. He will give you the resources. You can change the world. That's why the scripture says, you are the light of the world. Notice, he didn't say, you are the light of Cyprus. He said, you are the light of the world. A light of the world cannot be just a little lamp. This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. No, no, no. If you have a little light, maybe you can light this room. (laughs) But Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Without you, people won't have light. And if you don't have a vision that is bigger than yourself, you have no much light. It's got to be bigger. It's an amazing thing. My mind was walking, I don't know if it's my mind, I don't know where it was coming from. And I got the details. I get the details. What I want to do. Just recently, somebody gave us uh, a very beautiful building in Nigeria. The entrance to the building is all marble. Inside the building where we were supposed to have our first church in Nigeria, our second one now in Lagos, uh, commercial capital. All marble. The stage is marble. Everything marble. And she gave it to us. She said she was here, I think, two Sundays ago or so. She gave it to us and said, you can use this auditorium uh, for your church. And I'm going to be a part of the church. If you saw the building, really beautiful. And now we even have a pastor in Nigeria that's going to, he's ready to work for us, or with us, to be the pastor of the church. I sent him down to go look, see what you think about the church, the building. The building is good. 
But around the building, the building will not meet what we're thinking about. So we said, no, we're not going to do that. But I, I learned a lesson. You know what God is saying? I mean this. I'm believing God's going to give us a building over there for the work that God has called us to do. And to me, it's a sign. God is telling me, uh, 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 it could be the, uh, the enemy, but I don't know what's going on. Only God himself knows. But I know that God's hand is in this and is moving already ahead of our church. He's already moving. We can start there, but based on what we are planning to do, the room there is good, but it's not going to be, in my mind, we're not holding the number of people we're pulling. <laughs> Amen? That's my dream. It's not going to be good enough for us. And the pastor in Nigeria said, yeah. Because he's called, sometimes I talk to him for about two hours. Just telling him what I believe God was sharing with me about these things. And I, I never thought that way. My whole thing was our fellowship. Cypress. Covered. My wife will tell you. I think Angela said to me one time or two. She said... Uh, why don't we just go to Nigeria and start a church? It's going to be real big. As his angel of God didn't call me to do that. He said, Houston, I mean, Texas. Most of your work will be in Texas. But then it seems to me God was planting a church in Texas as the base to reach the world. And I'm not going to hold back. As long as I'm alive, the finances will be there. Whether it comes from you or not, it's going to be there. Sometimes we are slow when it comes to the things of God because we are trying to test the waters. It's like Peter testing the water before walking on the water. You know it's not going to step out of the boat, right? If he's going to test the water to see if he will hold his weight... He's not going to step out of the boat. He just stepped out of the boat. Sometimes we wait, we hesitate. And the Bible says, He who puts his hands on the plow and hesitates is not fit for the kingdom. You see that? People hesitate. If you really believe, then act on it. In one way or the other, ask God, What is this? What is it going to happen? We're going to do it. We are planning to change, and I'm giving the vision back again to you. We are planning to change the way we do recording here because we want it professional. We are planning to have cameras that can move through the congregation just like they do on television. And we're going to be bringing a lot of souls. Once that begins, my mind, what I'm thinking, because Lily's been telling me, they are ready for us to plant a church in Indonesia. If I have some money, I'll go to Indonesia. And God's going to give us a building there too. You, you have to, again, what I'm sharing with you, we're talking about impactful increase. I want you to think beyond God just meeting your needs. Because it can. Your needs is not the issue here. 
God has already promised he will meet your needs. It's one of these great and precious promises that God has given to us. How his divine power, you can read in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, how his divine power has given to us everything, say with me, everything, everything that pertains to life and godliness. His divine power has already given that to us. That's what the Bible tells us. How his divine power has given to us everything that pertains to life. That's your bill. That's your car. That's your house. Water is important. I found out after the cold. That's your water. All of this, God has given to you everything that pertains to life. That's this life. Everything. And notice who is giving them to you. God, because he sent you here to accomplish something for heaven. Think about it. You may say, but my life is, the way I've lived my life, I don't know if God will use me. No, you lied. That's a lie. That's from the enemy. That's not from God. God has something for you. And you have to think about it. And believe that God who saved you and called you to himself has something bigger for you to do on the earth. Otherwise, your life is ordinary. Let people see what God is doing to you, through you and be amazed. How could you do this? And when you tell them, hey, it's not me, it's the Lord. They know. They know how smart you are. <laughs> Amen. And for them, yeah, we know it's the Lord. Because you are not as smart as we, <laughs> you know, the way they put it. But God is calling you to reach. And, and we are, as a church, going to be that way. And notice what's going to happen. When we reach them, God reaches them here. Amen? We sow over there, and God begins to bring workers. <laughs> I'm believing God. I'm telling you what I'm believing in my heart. As we sow over there, God will be bringing workers here to feed that work. Can you get it? It's like a base. It's going out to feed the work all over. And we want to reach the world for Christ. Because he has called us to reach the nations. He's called us to reach the nations. It's easy for a church like ours to say, well, God, if you want to reach the nations, could you please talk to Joel Osteen? He, he has a very good-sized church. He could reach the world. You look into the flesh. You look into the flesh. But God, I believe, through this vision, if you buy into it, I believe with all of my heart, God will begin to give you an impactful increase in your family because he has a big work to do. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. Without vision, the people perish. I know they don't perish in churches, but if there's no vision, all they do, they change, perish. 
they go from church to church. <laughs> you know what I mean? They go from church to church until they can find something that they can lock into and begin to work. And then God begins to bless them and they feel fulfilled in life. I think we are thinking too small. Every one of us, even in your own personal life. If God, you can just give me some food to eat and give me a place to stay, I will be okay. It's not about you. Hello? It's not about you. God can and will give you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and how many things? All. All. Your first goal, what, what drives you in life, what makes you happy, what, what's in your mind constantly, is not about where to live. It's what's happening in the kingdom. How can I be a part of this? How can I help God's work? Hey, he'll talk to you. Believe me, he will. He'll talk to you. And he'll begin to give you direction. What to do in the church, how to help. Pastor may not have noticed what that thing is. But God will say to you and say, you need to start doing this. Look, this is so true with God. And I've said it here before. I'm not here to make you, you know, to make you, no, 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 that's not my purpose. I want you to grow in Christ. I want you to be accomplished in Christ. It's very important. I started off when I was in Georgia, when I came to the United States, very timid. And I was dealing with issues in my life. But I, I, I knew my faith and I wanted to share with people. My church, you don't have to do this, but my church, uh, we did outreaches as a group, but I wanted my own outreach. So I, I go to the neighborhood where people live, and I couldn't use my church. I was, at that time, I was new. I didn't know what pastor would think if he would give this key, the key to the church to this African and let me be in there by myself. So I wouldn't talk to him. So I go to this neighborhood, and I will pull the, go to, from her door to door. I want to have Bible study with your children. And they're happy to have a babysitter for a while. So they give the children to me. And I go under a tree. And it was me and these little kids with my guitar with only three chords that I knew how to play. And it was Father Abraham has many sons. And I'm playing. And the kids are happy. And then I buy them donuts for bribe so that they can come back. That's how it started. I couldn't talk to adults. I didn't know how to do that. Adults in my country, yes. But Americans, I didn't know how to do that. But I could talk to the kids. And I started ministering to the kids. Then they started asking me in church, can you come in 
be with the kids. And I like that too. Now they're letting me do that. And then I was bold enough and told Pastor, uh, I'm getting a bunch of kids. And then I had just a small Toyota. I'm, I'll pack all of them in there and drive really fast so the cops won't get me <laughs> when I take them to church. So they don't handcuff me for filling this little Toyota with all kinds of kids sitting on each other and they get two trips. And we were having fun. We, a pastor finally gave me the key and we had the fellowship call. Oh, what a blessing! And so we were doing our Father Abraham in our church now. It was great. And before long, the kids were coming on Wednesday nights. And they were behaving. I was scared that they were going to act up. And the church would not let them come to Wednesday night meetings. All I had to do is go pick them up and bring them to church. And they were accepted. And they loved it. They loved it. And now the church had robbed me of my ministry. I couldn't play my guitar with them, you know, under the tree anymore. And the church was taking them. So I felt like that was unnecessary. And one day, some, one of our rural rangers, uh, Scott not here, approached me and said, uh, Where'd you get them kids? Where'd you get them kids? And I was like, if you tell me these kids are not coming back, the church will have to separate me and you because I'm going to box you real good. <laughs> so I said, what do you mean by that? What are you asking? Where'd you get them kids? What, what do you mean? He said, he knew I was ready to fight. So... He said to me, eh, but a good luck. I'm not saying anything bad about the kids. I'm just asking where you get them kids. They even behave better than our own kids. I did that. <laughs> I was a great preacher. I did that. And then the kids will run up to me. When they tell me that, then I'll go get them, not donuts this time, but ice cream. I buy all of them ice cream. And they are happy. And then they come to me and just, uh, good luck, good luck, good luck. I, I learned this, I learned that, and I learned this from Royal Rangers. Yeah, I'm going to be baptized. Huh? You are going to be baptized? Yeah. So I advise them, uh, when you come for baptism, make sure your uncle, your mother, and your brother and all of them, bring them to church. Because it's very important. They have to be there. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, Mr. Goodluck. Yes. And that was a strange thing, Mr. Goodluck. <laughs> and then the parents came. And they figured church was not as bad as they thought. And they stayed. And got saved. And then I lost dealing with children. I started teaching adult Sunday school class. I, after that, say today, I, I don't know how to work with children. Christy has the, the job. I don't know how to do that. That was then. But my point is, 
I wasn't looking to pastor. I had my own ministry in his church. And he was here, and I think he told us, Angela and I, uh, probably he said, you brought more people to my church than anybody that's ever been in my church. He was superintendent of Georgia Assemblies of God. I thought, I don't know about that, but those that are brought, brought other people. You see what I mean? You can make an impact. You can make an impact. I wasn't concerned about him. My pastor, he loved me. And I knew that. But I have my own ministry inside his church. I was not going to rebel against him. I respected him. If he told me to stop, I would stop. Because he's my pastor. But he encouraged me. Encouraged me. Go ahead. Brother. Good luck. Go ahead. Brother. Good luck. Go ahead. That's the way it was. He's my father in the Lord. And I love him dearly. Love him dearly. God wants to make an impactful increase in your life. Let me read uh, one scripture uh, because of time. Deuteronomy 33 verse 19. Please understand this scripture is important, okay? He says, they shall call the people to the mountain. Notice, he's not calling the people to the valley. Way up there. You understand? What people is God talking about? That's you. You are not supposed to be in the valley. Shadow of the valley of death. Call the people up to the mountain. Summit. Where God is. Call them up to the mountain. They shall call the peoples. Now you get that word? Nations. That's you and myself. Get what God is saying. He wasn't just talking to the nation of Israel. He was talking about you. He wants you to come up to the mountain. There they shall offer the sacrifice of righteousness. You understand what I'm saying? Up there. Up there, that's where they offer the sacrifices, sacrifices of righteousness. You see, when you come to the church on Sunday morning and you lift up your hands because you are worshiping God, guess what you're doing? You are offering the sacrifice of righteousness because he made you righteous. He who knew no sin. 2 Corinthians 5.21 He who knew no sin became sin for us that, was, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. How many righteous people do we have this morning? Can I see your hand up? I have both of my hands up. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. 
And when you see yourself with that great vision and God calls you up to the mountain because he has a great vision for you, then you offer the sacrifice. Sacrifices of righteousness. And it's accepted because it's a sacrifice. Whether it's your worship when you give, which is a very high worship, you offer that. You offer that. For they, because of this, they shall partake of the abundance of the seas. And of treasures hidden in the sand. Impactful increase. He didn't say you have to have a PhD or DDD, whatever that is. But he brings you up to the mountain. And when he gets you up there, because he's the one that brought you up there, you offer the sacrifice of righteousness. He won't call you up to the mountain until he's giving you his righteousness by faith. Then you come up to the mountain and then you already have, it's not like when you get to the mountain, that's where you have it. You had it before you got up there. He gave you righteousness. Now you offer the sacrifices of righteousness and then he says the reason you are offering that because he has ordained you to partake of the abundance of the sea. Not one sea, seas. All of them. And he wants you, you see, precious things you don't find right on the surface of the ground. Most precious things, whether it's gold, copper, oil, whatever, liquid gold, they're under there. They're hidden. God says you will partake of them. You're going to agree with him? How many agree with God today? How many agree with him? How many want to, be, to, to partake of those things? Yes. They shall partake of the abundance. That's impactful. You see, many times we hear the word of God and we think that's for Abraham. That's for Pastor Michael because they are doing the work of God. No, you're doing the work of God as well. Amen. You are. You are. My thing is not just to be pastor of just people. I want people to rise up. Amen. If you can teach, rise up. Don't hesitate. Do it from your heart, not for pastor. He may not even thank you for it. He won't see it. It's between you and him. And as you keep doing that, to support the vision of the house, the kingdom of God, you begin to see his blessings upon your life. Doesn't mean there will not be troubles. But he says, I will be with you in trouble, Psalm 91, and I will deliver you. I will deliver you and honor you. Amen? So he does that for you. There still will be trouble. But you have been brought up to the mountain. You are up there. And if you ever go down, 
dash through the valley of the shadow of death because something bigger is on the other side. Let me show you something. When you are faithful to God, something happens. Let me give you the story of David. The greatest trial David ever had in his life. The top, the, I mean the number one trial. He's been through a lot of stuff. His greatest trial was right before his exaltation. Right at the corner. But David wasn't aware of it. They came out from, from fighting, possibly pretending to be fighting with the Philistines against, against Saul. And his children, his wife, his wife, and everything, everybody was gone. They carried everything away. And these were warriors. They, some of them cried to the point they had no strength. Because they thought they had lost everything. And who is to blame for that? Guess who? David. The, his own men that he raised were even talking about stoning David to death. Because he had lost everything. You see, when you go through the valley, guess what? You are just going through it. In the valley of the shadow of death, all right, but you are just going through it. You are not camping there. You are going through it. And on the other side of it, if you read Psalm uh, uh, 23, I talked about it. On the other side of that valley, God is preparing a table before you in the presence of your enemies. See? That was David's greatest trial. And he went and sought God, which we should do. When things are wrong, you ask God, but God didn't tell him. Many times we want to say, God, why did you permit these people to take our children? <laughs> you want an answer for that? You may not get any answer for that. Why did you allow it? Why? I followed you. I served you. I did everything right. I obeyed you. Why? That's not what David said to the Lord. He wanted some solution. Amen? Don't go to the problem. Go to the solution. And he is the solution. Because he had promised to be with you even in times of trouble. But they brought his family back. And right after that, people came to him. You're going to be king now. Amen? And he became the king of Judah. And then finally the king of Israel. But right before his trouble. So no matter, no matter what happens, God has brought you up to the mountain. Read about David. Read about Solomon. Solomon was already rich, right? And the rich people were still giving to him. And he was richer than them. Had figured that out. He was already very rich, Solomon. But rich people came, Queen of Sheba, they came with gifts for him, loads of gold and all of that. He already had more than they have. You see, when God has brought you up to the mountain, uh, those things that are under the earth, gold, they're coming to you. They know your address. Amen? They know where you live. 
Many times we just see, hear these things and we don't take it to heart because we think, how is he going to do it? I don't have this and I don't have that and I don't have this. God can give you one simple idea. Amen? And it's not, you have to understand, if your mind is not focused on the kingdom, you are on your own. But if your heart, I've had people tell me here, they still believe in God. Someone told me, I've written, I have a check for 50000 and I'm believing God. I'm going to be able to give a $50,000 check one day. And that was way back. And they, it seemed to me they are very close to that 50000 when I get the check, I will just say, thank you, you, can, you are dismissed. Okay? <laughs> because it's coming from the Lord. Amen? And I know what God's going to do for that family. But I can tell where their heart is. Okay? It's not about their family. They want to help the work of God. And when you do that, things are going to work for you. And don't go asking God. You may do that for a very long time, and it seems like nothing is happening. You are under a test. Amen? You're crying out to God, and you don't, but a day comes. There is, a, a, I believe it's in uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 80. It says, there is coming a time, there comes a time. It says, John the Baptist was in the wilderness until the time of his manifestation or revealing to the children of Israel. There's a time for that. So when that time comes, manifestation means that thing is there, but it's covered. You understand what I'm saying? It's there already. So the blessings of God upon your life, as you believe in God, is already there, but it's not, it's not manifested yet. It's covered until the revealing of it. And God is the one that decides when the revealing. So John the Baptist was in the wilderness for a long time until the day of his manifestation. And guess what the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8? He says, all creation is waiting for what? The revealing of the sons of God. There's going to be a day of your manifestation. Amen? There's going to be a day of revealing. So all I'm asking today, I want you to believe God with me. Amen? I talk about $40 million. If I was looking to adjust our church, uh, that's a crazy idea. We can do a lot. and We can have hundreds of thousands. Uh, but uh, $40 million? That's a tall order. But my mind is set. God is bigger than 40 million. <laughs> Much bigger than 40 million. I don't need the 40 million for my family. My family is already blessed. But I want for the kingdom to spread all over the place. And to win souls for God. That's all I live for. I have no other reason to live. Why should I live? I have no... What's living about? Is it a car? Can you drive four cars at the same time? If you have a BMW and I have a Toyota and we are going to San Antonio, we both get there. 
What difference does it make? Well, I drove in my Rolls Royce. <laughs> Excuse me. I remember once, <laughs> close by this, my children were little, and uh, I was driving from the medical center, I guess, towards around the medical center towards this place, and uh, we saw a guy in his Rolls Royce, and you know those big phones. You know, that they have in their, in those days before cell phone. It's so huge a phone. It was like that in, in those cars. And we were driving down, Omar, Toju, and uh, Grace, they were with me. And he had his phone in his ear, sitting back like that, driving, and was talking on his big phone, not, not an iPhone. And he was in the to- at the top of the world. And my children looked at him and thought he looked silly. And they started laughing. They started laughing at him and said, Why are you all laughing? Is there a guy in his room? They didn't know what kind of guy he is in his room. Yes, but he looks funny. They were laughing at him. It means nothing. We will get there. It's not about things. It's about the kingdom of God. That's the most important thing in life. Amen? I'm still tempted to go one more scripture. It's like finally, like pastor says, and another finally. Stand up with me this morning. It's my finally. I got final, okay? <laughs> I pray that God has shown you something today. And uh, my speaking is not just to come and give you just words. I want something changed, both in your mind and faith, so that God can bless you and bless your family with abundance. It's not about money. It's about the kingdom of God. Okay? But I need you to believe God for it. Don't tell yourself, I'm retired. So God, (laughs) if you wanted to do this, God, you should have done this a little earlier. I am retired. And it's all over for me. No. Dream. Dream. Abraham had a lot of workers. Dream. I mean, if the dream doesn't come to pass, what difference does it make? But what if God takes you up with that dream and gives you an idea? Amen? Just a simple idea. And God brings people around to help you get it together. Life will be different. Why don't you think that way? Whatever is lovely, right? Whatever is of good report. If there is any praise, right? Think about these things. What's wrong with thinking about them? What's wrong with thinking about something bigger, beautiful for your family and for the kingdom of God? What's wrong with it? Right? It may come with persecution, but what difference does it make? God will still get you up to the mountain. How many of you want to go up to the mountain with me today? I want to go up there. 
I'm going to go up. And it's God that's going to do it. I can't do it. I can't trust in my own resources. But I can trust in Him to take care of everything concerning my life, my family, and everything that concerns me. And more for the kingdom of God. Because my mind is to do what the kingdom says. That's where I'm going. Amen? Would you lift your hands up today? No matter what's going on in your life. God is with you. God is with you. No matter what you're dealing with today, God is with you. And if God be for you, who can be against you? Dream. If God has put that dream in your heart and it's coming from Him, who can be against that? If God be for me, who can be against me? You are of God. You belong to Him. You are His child. He wants the best for you so that you can be the light of the world and be the salt of the earth. Salt makes things tasty. God will make you tasty to the world. And they will be drawn to you because they can't eat good food without you. Amen? That's who God has made you. I want you to believe that. That's what Jesus said. If you can only believe, right? If you can only believe. Our believing this thing is what's holding us back. If we can only believe, all things are possible. Dream. Dream. Have a vision. Something great. I'm going to build this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that for the kingdom of God. I'm going to start my Bible study. He's become, he's going to become small. He's going to start, excuse me, he's going to start small. But God says, don't despise the days of small beginning. I'm going to bring all the people to church and I'm going to train them. They're going to do well. Why don't you drink about those things? Don't let your present condition hold you back. Let God be God in your life. Amen? That's very important. Very important. Say to yourself today, I'm going to be great. Say it. I want to hear it. I'm going to be great in the kingdom of God. And don't give me that uh, false humility. Every one of you want to be great. Amen? So why don't you believe it? Say with me, I will be great in the kingdom of my Father. Say it like you mean it. I'm going to be great. I am great in the kingdom of my Father. I will be great in the kingdom of my Father. I am Say it like you mean it. I am the salt of the earth. I am the the light of the world. (laughs) That's who you are. That's not from me. That's from God himself. I will make your name great. He's not going to be jealous because God is using you. (laughs) You become great. No. He loves it. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We're dismissed.